the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good week. This is kind of what I've been waiting for. We went through the pandemic. We went through lockdowns. We went through only hanging out with family, cancel Thanksgiving, cancel Christmas. And during that period of time, we were given a lot of cash by the United States government to tie us over. Whether they were PPP loans or whether they were you know, direct checks to consumers, whether they were loan forgiveness, whether they were um, rent moratoriums on seeing your rent or your foreclosures going into place. like There was a lot of action cash-wise going left and right. Then as we started coming out of the pandemic, we saw things like revenge travel, where people were like, you know what? I'm going to go on vacation because I'm only in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s once, and one day I may be dead. And I've been locked up and I'm going cuckoo. So we saw some inflation start creeping in. Used car prices. Can't get the fact, can't get the cars made. Suddenly used car prices shot up. Um, we saw all sorts of displacements in the supply chain and the costs were starting to be passed on to the producers. The producers started passing on the cost to the consumers this week. We're going to get a PPI number and a CPI number. And I don't even know if anyone's going to care because the fed should be done. Do I think the fed's done? No, I think what's going to happen is they're going to pause this meeting where last week we were talking about 50 basis points in the middle of the week. But by the end of the week, I'm like, nope. They broke the banking system. They broke Silicon Valley Bank by moving too far too fast. That Silicon Valley messed up. Now, of course, it's a human error. And you can't really blame the Fed. Yes, they were behind on inflation. Had they been raising interest rates 25 basis points over three months instead of 75 basis points per month? It got exponentially large there. And I've been saying for a good year, we don't know how this is going to play out in the economy. Because it takes about nine months for interest rate hikes to really get into the economy. Nine months to a year, they say. So we're in for it. We've been talking about a hard landing a little bit more as the year goes on. Versus a soft landing, but we keep going. Look at those job numbers. Those job numbers are amazing. You can't have a hard landing. You can't have a recession when people have jobs. But the Fed kept raising interest rates because inflation has been persistently high. Then it started to see an inflation dip. But then again, we saw inflation start to grow one more time. Kind of in a turbulence. We're still heading to the ground. We don't want to use the word crash landing. We want to say it's a bumpy flight, but we're going to do it safely. Um, but the inflation pushing back us up, you know, a thousand feet in the air doesn't feel good when we're coming down for a landing. So what happened? Let's talk about this. This is going to be the topic of the day. I'm sorry. 
But also I want to try to tie in things along the lines of like, what does this mean to you? I'm not taking money out of my bank accounts in any way, shape or form. I'm not taking money out of the stock markets in any way, shape or form. I had no exposure to regional banks, nor will I pick up exposure to regional bank. If I were to pick up one, the one that I'm eyeballing is today is Schwab. Because not only are they a broker, but they're also a bank. And they're getting tarred today and they have a very low valuation. But let's let's pull the heck back here. It was a typical weekend. Not typical for the FDIC officials. Um, They did not get the champagne of the Academy Awards. They got the let's figure out how we're going to backstop the deposits of failed Silicon Valley Bank. The FDIC began an auction process for Silicon Valley Bank on Saturday with final bids due Sunday afternoon. Nothing materialized prompting Sunday's backstop move. The Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department announced that the Signature Bank had been closed by the New York State regulators, setting a similar systemic risk, making it clear that regulators had spent their weekend determined to prevent the contagion, which caught them off guard at Silicon Valley Bank's bank run last week. This is a bad sequel. Too big to fail. Too fast, too furious, too many movies, too big to fail, too big, too furious financial banks. Hindsight's 2020, Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of red flags. Um, Red flags like don't go in the water. Red flag number one, in its most recent earnings report in January, the bank revealed it held to maturity securities, had mark-to-market losses of nearly $16 billion. I don't follow Silicon Valley Bank, but if I did, that's a big flag. Because they were buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, and we saw that take down Goldman Sachs and Lehman Brothers. The rapid decline of mortgages or the rapid decline of housing prices in 2008 caused anyone who was holding those mortgage securities as collateral on cash deposits to get destroyed. Same thing happened again. Too fast, too furious, too big. Red flag number two, the cause of the losses is simple. The bank took its tens of billions of customers' deposits. It invested heavily in bonds with sizable interest rate risk. Last year was the one of three years where bonds massively out, underperformed. SVB was overloaded with long-duration bonds with more than 10 years to maturity, leading to a mismatch of assets and liability. Again, they bet that rates were going to stay low longer. And the Fed moved high faster for longer. I'm not saying this is investing 101 or I'm I'm not a banker. But I can tell you from a distance that they dropped back to kick the putt and they fell on their butt before their foot even hit the ball. They pooched it. Red flag number three. Roughly 95% of deposits were above the FDIC uh, limits of 250,000 insurance. Make no mistake, this was a high-stakes poker game. Now, when you're a Silicon Valley bank and you've got the payroll of a fintech company, of a startup company, of two entrepreneurs, and those entrepreneurs say, you know, hey, we got three rounds of funding from the venture capital world, but um, all we have are these shares to show you that are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Can we borrow a couple million so we can buy a house and a boat until we come public and they, they convert to cash? You can kind of see how it's lining up here, huh? And what's even worse, it's lining up to be a bad tech story and bad tech innovation story. Too many deposits, way over that $250,000 insurance limit. 
Now, again, that insurance limit could be made up to one million by adding a partner. And then by adding two um, of your children. Now, again, corporations don't really have that, do they? So corporations are going to be pushed to instead to do regional banking in the future, they're going to be pushed to do a big bank with Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley. One. Another flag was the risky maneuvering could have been avoided, but Silicon Valley Bank operated without a chief risk officer from April 2022 to January of this year. That's nine months with no risk officer. Silicon Valley Bank did employ a chief administration officer who had been with the company since 2007. His previous employer was Lehman Brothers. Wrong place, wrong time, twice in a row. Then there seemed to be some insiders like Peter Thiel, who got all of his money out from his founder's fund, worth millions from the bank uh, on Thursday. And he encouraged others in the tech world to pull their money and, and run as well. Wild how contagion works. This is exactly what the stock market needs. For 12 to 18 months, we've been sitting there waiting for an event. Now the Fed has broken a bank and the Fed's going to have to really think about their next moves. And that should create a bottom in the stock market. A little early in that prediction, but we'll see where it goes. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So this is one of those days where we're going to learn a lot about what you know and what you don't know. I have a 25 plus year history of this. I'm not sweating. I'm not looking at my holdings. I'm not stressed. None of my holdings have exposure that I could think of. <clears throat> With that said, Roku, not one of my holdings, but they had a large chunk of cash with Silicon Valley Bank. So they had a stressful 100 to 200 million plus, I believe. They had a stressful weekend thinking, huh, I wonder if we're going to have access to that cash anytime soon. Or if we're going to get it all back because we were way over the, the limits of the government stepping in and making us whole. So, yeah, there is some ramifications that we haven't seen, and there are there is going to be more fallout. The Fed is breaking things now. And 25 years ago, I would have on the show a guy named Roger Bentley Arnold, and he is a high nasally pitched economist. The interesting thing about him was he wasn't really an economist. He just liked saying he was an economist, kind of like eh, a George Santos kind of thing. You say it enough, people tend to believe you. He was a great guest, though, and he was actually on on 9-11, the day the planes hit uh, the towers. And I had a five-hour show that day because I was stuck on the air because they didn't know what else to do. It was happened right during my show, and I was just located you know, one mile from the Pentagon, so I heard the plane go into the building. But this is not that story. Roger said that day, he goes, it's the Taliban. It's Osama bin Laden. And like, he had that call within minutes. Um, and I, I give him a lot of credit because America was like uh, reeling and he he instantly knew what was happening on a world political stage. Now, one of the things that he used to come on my show about and scream about is how the Fed breaks things. How every major recession in the United States has been caused by the Federal Reserve. And I I couldn't prove it, but he was more right than wrong. Armchair quarterbacking on the Federal Reserve it, it's a blood sport. We look at what the Fed's doing and we go, oh, they're late. Oh, how come they didn't see transitory become real inflation? I certainly did. And we armchair quarterback it. We backseat drive it. 
Um, it's become fairly obvious to any fair-minded observer that the past few years were an era where there's been rather relaxed approach to the dual mandate of the Fed, i.e. price stability and full employment. It seems to have taken a back seat to asset prices, discouraging speculation on things like Bitcoin and increasing Fed share credibility. I'm not saying they've lost their way, but the correlation is uncanny. Trying to put blame on whoever is the Fed chair. Wherever I see the words financial repression, I translate that automatically into manager underperformance. Federal Reserve has become a bear in the China uh, shop, so to speak. Jerome Powell and company have made first and foremost uh, significant mistakes. They failed to get off their emergency footing on a timely basis. Staying at zero far past the emergency put them in fundamentally a risky set of circumstances. So they did the right thing with COVID and with China basically shutting down world manufacturing due to COVID zero policies. They flooded the market with cash, low cost cash. They were late to recognize rising inflation, but even after they identified higher prices as a problem, the CPI blew through their 2% inflation target in March of 2021. They waited to respond. By moving so fast, so high, and with big chunky moves over a six-month period, big chunky meaning 75 basis points, they're playing catch-up. And that aggressiveness is having unintended consequences. The most obvious of those unintended consequences is the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank on Friday. Some are blaming specific venture capitalists for the run. Peter Thiel, and I don't want to say his cronies because it sounds like I'm anti-Republican, but he's one of those people who throws billions of dollars into political races. And uh, it's not lost on me. Um, market volatility is normal. After a 40-year bull market in bonds led by rates falling to zero, some disruptions are bound to be a hap- uh, bound to expected. But the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, while some are blaming specific venture capitalists, you can look at it on many areas. There's a $2 billion loss in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. That shouldn't happen. Um, Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve have overreacted to the inflation that we saw in 2020-2022, where the 2000 era's Fed ignored obvious recklessness amongst banks and leveraged asset managers. The current Fed seems to be overly concerned with asset prices and appearances. The Fed is bound to have a meeting next week. And they may even have to step in this week and say, you know what? We're not going to raise interest rates. We're going to give the market one month to react to this before we make another move. And then if they want to start doing 25 basis point hikes, that's fine. But they are going to get the brunt of breaking things. And I tend to agree. A regional lender collapsing, failure of Silicon Valley Bank serves to underline, underline, bold print, the longstanding worries that the Federal Reserve's aggressive series of interest rates eventually would cause some of the world's financial plumbing to break. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Is this the end of the world for the average American? Nope. The people who should be most concerned are the entrepreneurs. And the tech investors, 
looking for returns on their venture capital money? Should they be made hold? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. My personal opinion instantly is like, no. When you lend money to a startup, you know there's risk, but you also know that there's reward. And that's where like a damnation game kind of comes in. If if you'll pick up my vibe there. Risk versus reward. And do we bail out people that were going to be compensated with risk? They're going to be compensated with reward for the risk that they took on a startup company. Which, again, nine out of ten venture capital companies fail. But the one that hits pays for the other eight. Um, and then if you get lucky with one of those in there, you're like, suddenly you're, you've got gravy. Let's take a look at the markets. Something's telling me that we we should. And uh, I'm like looking at Silvergate Capital, whose 52-week range is a buck 69 to 162, and it's currently at $2.44. So this year, it's been as high as $150, and now it's at $2.40. Wow. That is creative destruction. Joseph Schumpter, he's one of my favorite quotes in the world of economists. I think this is a good thing for the long-term stock market. I think this is a good thing for the Federal Reserve to get a little bit humiliated here and to rethink those policies of raising interest rates. I'm hoping to cover enough of this content today so that you feel better and not worse. Let's figure out where this goes. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. We'll take a small break here. Find me at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, talking obviously today about Silicon Valley Bank. And it's not going to go away. There is a bar called Madeira or a restaurant called Madeira. It is just outside of Silicon Valley Bank, Rosewood Sand Hill. Um, it's spectacular. It's one of the places I used to live in San Carlos, which is probably a 15-minute drive, 10-minute drive to Madeira. It would be a place that we would go for anniversaries and situations like that. You'd get a hotel room at the hotel and have an anniversary. It had lovely views of Silicon Valley and the fog rolling over the mountains. You would see a lot of young bankers. And this was the fun part is when my brother David would come out, we'd go to Sand Hill and, and go to a bar there. And I'd be like, see that guy over there? That's Mark Zuckerberg. See that guy over there? That's uh." And we'd play this game of tech giants. It's a watering hole for the rich and famous. And it's always funny because you would see some pretty, doll- pretty dolled up young women um come in and not necessarily looking for a husband but it certainly felt that way it felt like a competition um not an exhibition and my table was wagering on what is what so madeira is a lovely fine dining restaurant and it's part of the rosewood hotel and resort and it's it's epic uh, you will find a lot of Silicon Valley bankers there today and tomorrow drinking away their their worries, talking about networking, talking about their next venture, where they're going to land. I throw that down to you because um, 
I've gone there in the last 15 years just to look at how crazy wealthy young people are. And this is again, like 2000, when I came to the Bay area in 2000, the 1990s, the tech years were, were fantastic, but it created the situation where people could come out of UCLA with like a psychology degree and get a tech job. People can come out of the university of Minnesota with a, a degree in security, um, like physical security. And then get suddenly a tech security job. It was, it was nuts. If you had a pulse, you had a job. And I had built up my whole career in the financial world. And I moved out of the bear. I was like, I'm going to be special because I have a six figure job. And let's just say I do a radio and TV show. And that's kind of cool. And then everyone out here has a six figure job. And you'd go into the marina and Safeway and everyone was six foot five. And you're like, oh boy, did I gauge this one wrong? Where you would meet in the meat and cheese aisle that you're in your next date before there was tender. Um, I know you're saying, wow, you're old. But I'm, I'm throwing that down there because this isn't the first time we've seen a major correction happen by something breaking. And the techs in the 2000, 2002 valuations got too high and ultimately broke. We were going any company. GeoCities is the next uh MySpace and that next MySpace, well, it was Facebook. We were crowning too many winners. So there was a big blowback in 2000, 2002. There was a big blowback in 2008. And now there's another big blowback, but this time it's tied towards the banking community, very similar to Bear Stearns and Lehman. Silicon Valley Bank staffers spent Friday polishing the resumes or hitting the Sandhill bars. Roku had a full 26% of its cash tied up in Silicon Valley Bank. Um, someone at Roku needs to be fired. He, there has to be consequences for poor money management. Um, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing this content as far as we can. Um, Silicon Valley Bank downfall shows the Fed broke something in the economy. This is going to be a big phrase that I keep coming back to on unintended consequences. And they need to pause. And again, it's easy being an armchair quarterback, backseat driver. The downfall of Silicon Valley Bank shows the Fed broke something in the economy, and it could lead to breaking other things. This is the quote from Liz Ann Saunders, Charles Schwab's chief investment officer. She says the old adage, you know, the old adage of the Fed tightens until something breaks. This is one of them. Over the last year, central bankers have raised interest rates 1,700% terrain in inflation, sparking turmoil in the financial markets as it rapidly pulls back liquidity and upends a decade-long era of easy money. Something I've said on this show that is linked, and I'm, I'm telling you, it is linked. The last 15 years, if you've made good money on Wall Street, it was easy money. In the last 20 years, I've said on air numerous times that the man who's made me the most money on Wall Street was Saddam Hussein. And you're like, what? You invested with Saddam? No. Every time he would invade Iraq or Kuwait is the right way of saying that. <laughs> Not Iraq. He didn't invade himself. Um, the world would freak out and oil would go higher. And when oil went higher, the stock market would go lower. And then after a couple of weeks, he'd like back off. But that dip in the market was a buying opportunity. I saw the trend again and again and again. I've evolved that messaging to say one of the reasons I'm successful financially speaking was I was born at the right time in the right place. 
I usually say that about technology stocks. And I say, you know, when I was six years old, I had Atari 2600, the very first gaming console at home. There might have been one other one that was a kind of a weird one, but the one that got mass appeal was Atari's 2600. Um, and I loved that thing. And I grew up with it and I understood what networking stocks and semiconductors and graphic semiconductors and uh, systems on uh, software as a system. I, I understood all that. I understood to look for the lithography. Like I understood the need to make semiconductors smaller, cheaper, faster. So I was born at the right time in the right place. But another way that I was born at the right time in the right place was 9-11 happened ultimately as I was young in my career. And it disrupted world markets. And the Federal Reserve had to come to the rescue where Congress couldn't. Congress sometimes can't get out of their own way to write legislation to help the American people. It's too bipartisan at this point in time. And it's sickening to see that it, it, it takes a crisis of thousands of deaths for them to band together and do the right thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little jaded on government. But the central bankers have raised interest rates 1,700%. Now, do I think it was easier to make money 5, 10, 15 years ago? I do. Yes, I do. Do I think it's the next 5, 10, 15 years are going to be anything like the last 5, 10, 15 years? I don't. I do not. The day of, of easy money is over. The punch bowl is gone. You went to the frat party early, and there was a lot of alcohol in the punch. And by 12 o'clock, the alcohol was like, whatever is left, quick, open all the cabinets and, and pour it in the punch bowl. And by 2 o'clock, it was dry. We are in the dry period of easy money and it's about to get worse before it gets better not only could rates this high send the economy into recession experts warn but it slugged tech and growth stocks valuations it slugged the housing market and other sectors that thrived under low interest rates ultra low interest rates i wasn't smart for the way i bought my homes in the last 10 15 20 years i was smart to get use cheap money to buy homes in fact, if I was smart, I would have bought more homes with that cheap money. And I probably would have gone into some alternative locations. I went with Raleigh. I went with Portland, Vancouver. I went with Silicon Valley. All great locations. But I'm lying to myself that I think I was that smart. So the Fed Reserve having raised interest rates 1,700%, just to me, it means you're going to want to be way better with investing or you're going to want to hire someone who is. Tech-focused bank, Silicon Valley Bank, rattled markets, reporting $1.8 billion in losses, which ultimately is not crazy big. Not to the U.S. economy, nope. But who else is going to be broken? Where's the next run on money going to be? I'm looking at you, Wells Fargo. Who's got mortgages on their books that, that look bad? It's not Wells Fargo because they've been being scrutinized for the last 13, 14 years, and they're not going to make that mistake. Not with that level of scrutiny on them. Now, the next bank or the next problem that happens won't be the same as Silicon Valley Bank, but to some degree, we are seeing some breakage from Silicon Valley Bank and other things like the weakness in the housing market. Other areas that are clearly in recession in the economy, even if we're not in an overall recession with job loss numbers. Liz Ann Saunders from Charles Schwab says she doesn't think the Fed will 
particularly since Silicon Valley Bank's downfall was more due to issues unique to the bank rather than it being a systemic issue. Whereas Goldman Sachs says, we think the Fed's going to pause. One minute. When the Fed's done raising interest rates to fight inflation, and this will fight inflation, there will be job losses. There will be tech innovation that goes down the toilet. There will be cash loss. This will take money out of the system. This will accomplish something. You know, on the air, I've been talking about, we need more job losses to, to put in a market bottom. We need something broken to put in a market bottom, too. And this is something that's breaking. Short term, I don't like talking about the pain that it causes people. I'm aware of it. Long term, I think it's going to be that that moment where we go, the Fed needs to reflect. And banks weren't ready for this kind of banks weren't ready for that kind of move. And you're like, what? How is that possible? Aren't they supposed to be the sober people in the room? Not the speculators. They're supposed to be the bean counters. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. So the NASDAQ's in the green. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is in the green. S&P 500's down fractions. Over the weekend, I saw futures on the market look 300 points higher and then I saw futures look 300 points lower and now we're playing it out and we're seeing that the market's uh, trying to isolate and put in a box what's happening at Silicon Valley Bank and what are likely to be other banking issues. When I say other banking issues, I don't think this is the only one. I think this is the first one and I don't think this is going to be limited to banks. I think you're going to see more mortgage companies completely go out of business. Um, and there will be other ramifications that we could talk about. I think the venture capital market, where they bank um, and where they put their private money, has to be reconsidered. I, I think the big winners here are the big banks. If I'm a startup company, if let's say you and I start a podcast company and we've come up with you know, the Joe Rogan experience times 10, the Rob Black experience on drugs, 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 drugs. Um, I, I, I don't see me getting money at this point in time. And I, I, if I do get money, so I think the handout is going to be tighter, which was happening anyway. We haven't seen a healthy IPO market. But if they tighten me, I'm very well likely to say, you know what? I don't really want a regional bank because I saw what happened to that regional bank. Can we put our money with Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or Bank of America? Can we put it with a big bank that has a lot of assets? But the Fed raised interest rates 1,700% over the last year. That's going to play out in the mortgage market. Now, again, this is almost the opposite effect because instead of seeing rates drop, seeing rates increase, people who have mortgages I don't want to lose my mortgages. I've got over a million dollars in mortgages, and I'm like, I love the low cost of them. I wish I had $2 million in low-cost mortgages until I lose my job. I'm like, I wish I didn't have these. (laughs) Time to sell. So there's going to be ripple effects, okay? Ripple effects is the last thing I want to leave you with today, and it's okay. The Fed has broken something. I believe this is going to have a direct play on interest rates. I think we are now 
factoring in that banks are going to be lending a lot less. They're going to be rethinking what they're doing. They're going to be a little more conservative. Um, not having a chief risk officer at Silicon Valley Bank was a mistake. First Republic sees their stock plunge as regional banks feel pressure from Silicon Valley uh, fallout. I'm trying to look at different stocks. Like I see Microsoft's up three today. I'm like, why are they up three? Um, I see Apple's up two. I'm like, why are they up two? You try to play stock detective in real time. Gold's higher. That's an interesting. There's a little flight to safety there. 10-year treasury fell all the way down to 3.49%, down 20 basis points. Um, that's the story, in my opinion. Federal Reserve needs to pause next week, and Wall Street will go, ah, a pause. How refreshing. One week ago, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell was at Congress saying, you know, we're going to have to raise rates higher, maybe higher than we want it to. And that almost looks funny now. It almost looks like, ooh, that looks bad on you. But last week, our interest rates were at 4.1% almost, 4 point something, 4.0 something. Let's see if I can get an accurate number. Can't get an accurate number. Oh, there it is. Uh, 3.9, And now we're at 3.45. Last week at this time, I said, hey, I'm looking at income stocks. I'm looking at income bonds because these rates are great. Four, four and a half, five percent. They're great. Anything over three and a half percent, I like income. Anything under three and a half percent, I like stocks. Now we're at three and a half percent on the 10 year treasury. Um, So mortgage rates should fall a little bit. But this is day one of the rest of your life after Silicon Valley Bank imploded. It's too quick to make all these decisions, but I think the Fed has a case now to wait and see. Again, when you raise 75 basis points each time, I don't think the people at Silicon Valley Bank were paying attention. Or if they were, they weren't understanding the risk that they were putting something safe, like their their cash deposits need to be in something safe. There's always risk. There's currency risk. There's headline risk. There, there's risk of higher rates on short-term durations. Being locked up in a short-term duration or a long-term duration with short, uh, with very small guarantees, it's as if they thought the party was going on forever, even though the Federal Reserve is like, nope, we're moving higher. It's as if someone put in some trades and like put a like a magazine on top of it so as to hide it from his coworkers. This is not great. So other stories of no um, Schwab is getting a lot of love today because people see that as buying opportunity. I'm not going to tell you yes or no on something like that, but there will be some obvious investments that you can make. One minute. Peter Thiel, the influential tech venture capitalist, aspiring supervillain, withdrew his founder's fund entire account worth millions of uh, dollars from the bank by at least Thursday. He encouraged others to do the same thing. So he helped make a run on the money. Again, that's kind of a bad guy thing to do. With that said, should people have left their money there and waited and see? Nope. 
it's a bad situation all around. The small industry is practically, by definition, full of trend chasers. Wherever Peter Thiel goes, others go. It should have been a giant red flag that the bank's entire clientele is hardwired to act in a way that perfectly facilitates bank runs. Five clicks is all it takes to close your account and get your cash out of Silicon Valley Bank. More on this in the coming days. Going to put up a big update on YouTube later today on my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Check it out at 4 o'clock today. Big update coming. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.